Welcome to the AAA NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs, bringing you from zero to 60 in the non-fungible token world without breaking the bank. With your hosts, Andrew, aka Rantum, and George from Mostly Stable on Zed Run, who will help you navigate new projects, interview expert guests, and explore NFT trends. So whether you're on your first or 50th NFT, we're going to have something for you. And as a quick note, we are not, I repeat, not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Alrighty, disclaimer over, let's get to it. Today on All About Affordable NFTs, gas is low, what should I do? And of course, we're not talking about gas on the the international stage or at the pump, which is experiencing rocket highs, but Ethereum layer gas. Is it now possible that you could get a transaction through for less than a gallon? I think it may I'll be. I'll tell you, I'm paying five, I five bucks per gallon over here. I love the over-under. We should start tracking gas to gas, lowest transaction for yeah, price of gallon could, could get really, Yeah, it could get really interesting there. That's not what I thought when I first got into this and I saw the gas here as being so much more, but oh, we're seeing it go the other way. Yeah. What are we seeing in the markets? Yeah, market's a little slow still. It's quiet out there. That's why we're talking a little bit about gas low. What should we be doing? But uh, as I mentioned, we're still seeing a lot of development, a lot of investment. So noticed that Warner Brothers is launching a new project. They've got a DC Comics themed NFT trading card coming out. And so these will be both a physical and digital traded card. I, I think that's interesting. They're trying to do both. We've seen, it sounds a little bit like a top shot take on comic cards here, though the physical aspect adds something new there. And somewhat similar, we've got time there. If time is still related to Warner Brothers or not, but time, they've been big in NFTs. They are launching a children's series based on the Littles NFT project. I've heard a couple other projects talking about doing television shows. Many of the projects are definitely not children themed. I would say that a good number of projects seem really be stuck on using cigarettes for some reason. And uh, the Littles has stayed away from that and is actually children friendly. It'll certainly get some, get some publicity when it's got time behind it. Yeah, it sounds interesting, especially from the the media side when it gets. And last year, I've got that Stripe is getting into uh, crypto. Stripe, the payments giant, they've been huge in e-commerce and Web2, especially it seems like uh, nearly every company has some sort of integration with Stripe at this point, and they are getting into crypto. So I imagine that uh, their network will also be able to benefit from this and accept crypto payments uh, within, you know, some relatively soon time frame. <laughs> you know, I don't know what that is, but I think that is big. They're partnering with FTX to begin with. FTX has been very active in partnerships in sports, mar- marketing through sports and trying to onboard people. And this is just another way that they will try to do it by adding a new on-ramp to uh, get crypto via fiat currency with Stripe. This is exactly what we were talking about in the other episode about the on-ramp. The on-ramp to, I have a credit card, can I just get into this freaking NFT game without getting sent all around to find the way to move my money to get to the currency to ship it over to the right layer? you got to get rid of that if you want any reasonable adoption. You especially see this in games. People want to play the game, want to experience it as quickly as possible. What is the time to first dopamine hit? 
And I get excited when I see this type of boring back office slash deep tech integration, because this is the kind of thing that could actually give you that little that lives right on site and says, boom, there you go. Don't have a wallet. We're going to provision one, spin it up for you, show you right here. Would you like it custodial, non-custodial? I don't know what they're doing here, but that's where we need to get because we are in the like early days of, if we were to put the metaphor to 2000s where everyone had to figure out their own credit card payment processing so that they could take credit cards through the web. And they're like, all right, how do I figure this out? All right, I got to broker all the major credit card providers. I got to do my own fraud protection. I have to go. That stuff just needs to happen. And once it did, what happened? E-commerce blows up. It becomes normalized. We're like, oh yeah, obviously buy stuff online. Yeah, absolutely. This is big, I think. I remember the days of when you had to go get your authorized.net. Built your, you had a company. You had a new company. Yeah, built built before that. And then Stripe came along and made payments so much easier. And it's amazing on the merchant side. And if it's now going to become easy to take crypto payments, that's a game changer for, for companies. Right now, from what I, from my experience, the easiest way to accept crypto payments is using something like Shopify or a uh, WordPress or uh, again, but they all integrate with Coinbase wallet. That's not, you know, necessarily a you know, crypto native payment. It is a good wallet, not getting, not taking anything away from the Coinbase wallet. I don't use it all the time, but it's not, it's not a technology that is, these technologies are designed to work with any wallet uh, at this point. And that's going to change when Stripe comes in here and makes it easy for anyone to accept a crypto payment from presumably any wallet and including MetaMask, the market leader by far at this point. Yeah. Well, I, those are those, like those small things like that lead to, to big shifts. So I was excited to see it. All right. All right. Let's get on to our, we don't have an affordable project this week. It's been, as we mentioned, a little or today. I'm sorry. It's been a little quiet. We are going to look at uh, one we've mentioned many times in the past. Je- uh, what do you have for us, George? Looking at that I was able to convince it. We looked for some affordable. We're trying to be a bit judicious in what we're throwing darts at, especially right now. Here we go. Zedron, I've talked about it before. In the past, I would recommend it going after legendary in terms of legendaries, females, to get you the best possibility to breed potentially. This time, I think... I would recommend from where I see the market at to look at going after a the breed type of Genesis. So that's the original. Legendary is one step down. Genesis. And then just look at the floor. Right now, the Genesis floor is uh, currently sitting at 0.167. And, and that will uh, land you a bloodline, which is buterin or buterin, depending on pronunciation you choose. And, and those are the lowest tier horses in the game. However, as in terms of why now, there's a couple of things. One, that there is a token drop imminently coming and their algorithm will be favoring the bloodline as well as breed type as Genesis. So like original holder, they still haven't officially dropped all of the Genesis that will be out there. And Zed has been picking up in momentum in terms of total number of users and gameplay going on. And they figured out daily rewards. There's, they're getting a lot of things right these days. So even if you don't intend to race, frankly, picking up uh, something in the Genesis side might be an interesting play in this period of time. I will say, if you buy the cheapest Genesis horse, it will not be a good resource. Let's just be clear. It might be a good breeder, but that thing won't run. If you actually want to get into it and understand it, instead of going to OpenSea, you should go to Haku and then start to play with win rates and flame rates and, and get into the like the miles and miles of data that there are inside of this game. 
if you are listening to this and are considering buying a Zed run, go into our discourse and ask mostly stable for his advice. He will tell you whether that is a good buy or not. This, yeah. George doses horse as well. And we are, we're happy to answer questions in the discord, but really, if you do have any questions, he, he knows a lot about this Ed run and it, it can be confusing if you are not well-versed there, but the token drop is interesting. I think they've probably been waiting to make sure they get this right, as opposed to some of these other somewhat fly-by-night projects that just promise that they will do a token that run wants to stick around. They've been around for a long time and they want to get this right. I think that's exciting that they will have that coming in and it really provides a lot of opportunity to to kind of shift the gameplay as we know they are apt to do, but it, it provides different tokenomics aspects that, that could make it very interesting. Yeah. One other element is the game is still evolving. They're going to roll out different types of track services, which will change how a horse performs, which is interesting. Now we don't fully understand what that is, but it could mean that a bad horse becomes a not so bad horse on a certain type of track as well as weather. So question. And also it's gambling and also Full disclosure, I own a lot of these silly things and they're, they're online horses. Just one more time. If you go there, make sure you're using free type filter Genesis. Don't buy. I will say that buy whatever you want, but the current overall Z run floor price is 0 0.005. So if you go there and you are confused, that is because those are bred horses. Those are pacers. Those are lowest of the low, like Z 200 and some odds. I'm talking about in that other floor at 0.1617, because I think that would actually hold value rather than something else, which is just what we call in the game. All right, on to our theme. Gas is low. What should I do? We were joking about this inflection point of could a gas transaction on Ethereum drop below the price of gas? And I've started to see, I get so excited when I started to see gas numbers in the teens. I, I just ran around being like, there's that like semi-dormant project and got my AI avatars. I was like, yeah, done. Like gas is low. There are some other projects that I still think have staying power and their prices haven't moved up. Uh, and so I think there's an opportunity to buy on old, buy on old projects that you still think have life. What other things are you doing when you see gas low? So I think one of the things I've been, I should be doing right now and, and intend to do is try to move some of the pieces that I really intend to hold on to. Uh, for a longer period of time to cold storage. We've talked a bit about that, but putting it in even a more secure wallet, I'm not necessarily concerned at this point, but I'd rather move some pieces around, not have it all in one wallet. As we mentioned that someone gets access to that, they have access to everything in that wallet. So maybe trying to partition that a bit and not have it all sitting in one place would be a good thing to do if you do have a lot in one wallet. Our security episode scared you, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, got me thinking. Well, it's better to be better to be scared ahead of time. Hear hear horror stories from other people than to have it happen yourself. Yeah, at least I. And you're hope on so. those lists. I'll be honest. Like I'm not really on that. When you hold certain collections, you're on that sort of. Like, mm, that wouldn't be a bad wall to hit. Like you got next copy in there too. Okay, it's it's not so bad to to move some of that around. I thought about that, and even just having it in different places. Hey. I can make a mistake uh, on my own. Doesn't even take somebody else necessarily. Oh, yeah. Challenge being accepted. malicious. I, 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 I've made plenty of mistakes online and I don't want to do it with the wallet. Try to be as careful as I can. I think that's one you can look at. I think another one that I've done is updated my ENS profile. When you update things on that, I've got, I own random.eth and then I wanted to update the profile or I'm sorry, the, uh, the Twitter account in the website that were on it. I hadn't done that initially. So I wanted to put the 
website right on the profile. Um, so that actually cost gas to do it. So didn't really want to do that when it was going to cost me over a hundred bucks to do, but fine. Uh, did that recently. Um, so it's also a good time to maybe buy an ENS name. These are relatively cheap. Um, all right. I guess you actually pay an annual fee, but the what are the often fee, do you know fees on that? It's not a lot for a, a name. Uh, let me check what that is right now. It's, it's, it's I mean, based for on those the, unfamiliar as ENS is going to be able to map over that hash so that you can essentially just have your much reader friendly name to it. And groups like Budweiser are getting their beer dotties and Every major company is going to be buying every year, daddies. And also, let's just be honest, you could go become a bit of a, a domainer and that and try to park people that you think may be coming on. And that's not a terrible idea at all. So right now, it's actually only about $5.002E per year for a domain over, I believe it's over it's five letters or more, a shorter domain is, or sorry, not domain, a shorter name is And how much is a little bit more? Purchase? So... With gas right now, it's telling me that it's about $33 total, $5 for the uh, the annual fee. So you may as well do a couple of years if you're going to do it because uh, most of the uh, the fee is still gas. But like I said, it's a whole lot better than paying 100 bucks for gas on uh, and only $5 for the uh, the name itself. Pretty good right now. Maybe even look at picking up a couple other names. I still, I like these. I think it's really helpful to me. We've talked about how the hashes are somewhat, it makes people think that it's maybe anonymous and it looks cryptic. This is a way to me to make it easy to read the domain or to, sorry, to read the name. I keep saying domain. In many ways, this is very similar to a domain name. Really, the domain name is just interpreted into an IP yeah. address anyway. So this is really the same thing. It's actually surprising that it's not more of the, uh, the primary way that people are transacting. It is really hard to read if you've got the wrong, if you've copied the wrong address and you're sending something to someone. Especially if you are, if you're copying address a lot, I'm working with contracts and addresses all day and often we'll copy one and don't, I can't tell the difference between one and another just by looking at it because it's 42 characters that all look pretty similar. They all start zero X and then there's a lot more characters, but with a name, you can actually type you know, random.eth is what I have. There's, you know, you can see what it says and that you typed it the right way. That being said, I still want to double check everything and make sure you get it right. but. I can read that, that, you know, as opposed to trying to memorize a 42 digit code, not going to happen. Yeah, no. And especially if you're talking about a company or a brand of those pieces, like that makes sense. But I, I may actually run around and look for the, the sneaky domain parking strategy. That could be the affordable. Hey, you know what? You stayed this long into the episode. Here's your other affordable project. Go find a brand or someone who you think should probably have an ETH C check if it's available. And when gas is low, roll in and say, oh, hey, and go ping them, see if they want to buy. For, Not a bad idea. Yeah, ENS.domains. For princely, princely eat some. That's right. I have on my list staking projects, so staking NFT projects. So we, in the past, I did a quick scan and I found Wizard Treasure Collective that we talked about and CryptoBots. Both of those have a staking mechanism where you submit your NFT to earn the native Oh, also, oh, crypto, the crypto unicorns, they also have a staking element, but not really because you can't afford to, to stake some of their stuff because of it's ones that are so expensive. So wizard treasure collection, crypto bots, basically like the pay to transfer to that staking wallet that took gas. And it like kills me how much it cost at the time when I did it. But I was like, I don't know, it's what you got to do. 
got to stake it now. I'm thinking now, oh, if I still believe in those projects or whichever, I could buy another and quickly for much less, get a, get my, an additional NFT into that, into that staking. Yeah, that's a good idea. You really don't want to be doing that stuff when the gas costs you a lot. Yeah, I've been thinking about things that I do have stake, places where maybe I either want to move it out. I've got one where I actually want to move another one in and was hesitant to do it. I need to be better at making lists of the things that I always say I'm going to do when the gas is low. But I think this is, that's a good reminder. Just wrote that down for myself here. <laughs> just, oh God, I got to get off this podcast. Get this stuff. Yeah, it is great to see when gas is so low. Like you said, I've been seeing the teens lately and it feels like you should be doing something when it's that low. It's just otherwise uh, wasting the opportunity. You could pull out your looks or SOS tokens or tokens that you like, stake somewhere that you're like, oh, I don't have a ton staked here or my reward super high at this point and maybe my fate is waned. I'm not saying that one way or the other here, but it is pretty annoying when your claim reward is less than the amount of gas you'd have to pay. And I would say another one is to actually send send money over, you know, or send tokens over to layer twos to gasless layers right now you can get it there for cheap and then be able to transact with it on those layer twos whether it's going into polygon and, and looking mm. at projects there or even just staking your eth or whatever you may do you can do so many more things on layer twos uh, polygon's the one that i've spent the most time on but there are others optimism uh, zk sync has talked to when there's a lot of funding going on there so not a bad idea to uh, maybe even just rotate some money around occasionally or some tokens around in these different in these different networks where there may be tokens coming at some point where we've talked that there may be airdrops from some of these that don't yet have a token you mentioned like arbitrum i think in the past arbitrum of, optimism is another zk sync these are all layer twos on ethereum so they are getting some of that ethereum security but also they will have essentially gasless cheap fees we will see which how they all develop, I think they'll all, all end up with different specialties and used for different different use cases for each of them. But not a bad idea to just try them out. You can get it over there cheap and then move uh, things around for next to nothing on those networks anyway. So once gas does go back up, you're not stuck in stuck having to pay these fees to get it back out. Andrew, I'm going to be honest with you. I had low expectations for this particular episode. I am very excited to get off and start to do some of these things because I'm like, oh God. These are things I need you to do right now. So hopefully it has been useful to you. If you have a minute, a second, a thought, please drop a or subscribe on whatever platform currently listening to us through. And of course, join some discord. We're trying to have some fun there. And as you can tell, share some, share some alpha. What kind of affordable projects are you looking for? This has been an episode of the triple A NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs. The episode notes and resources may be found at 3ANFT.com in our show notes. Again, 3ANFT.com. And that reminder, don't bet what you can't afford to lose. Remember, we are not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Thanks for joining us. I hope you learned something.